Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast. We are super excited today, right? Yes, I'm s- I might be more excited than Danny because Danny's actually met this person and I yeah, never some, had the blessing, special. but we brought him on the podcast so everyone could meet him. Yeah, somebody special today. I've told my wife about she's got to see from a digital standpoint, which is how we know a lot of each other, but today it's in the flesh, but we're really excited. It's episode 30. Um, we hope everybody had an awesome new year and is really excited about their new goals and ambitions in life. But today is an incredible story of the ability to continue, to press forward, to have faith, even when everything seems just about impossible. So why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, so today we are going to have the blessing of talking to Dan Davis and some of you may know that name, some of you may not, but his company, Steery, is is just, I'm going to let him talk about it, but it is so beautiful what, what Dan has done and his ability to reach a wider audience to tell other people's stories. And the reason I, I'm really, really drawn to it is because in our podcast, what we talk about is addiction and how it affects families and all, all that that encompasses. But what's interesting is every time we're talking with a family or anyone that's kind of in the middle of their struggle, it's always this feeling of isolation. Like they're probably the only people that have ever felt like this or um, just that struggle and pain just feels like insurmountable and also untouchable to others around them. And... That's really, really incorrect, actually. And so I love being able to shed a light on saying all of us, all of us are in the middle of something really difficult, very different circumstances across the board. But there is such power when we are able to open up and be vulnerable and tell our stories. And on our podcast, we primarily talk about stories of redemption through addiction and the struggle there. But with Dan and his company, Siri, he's able to tell all kinds of stories. Um, Yeah. Stories of depression, suicide, medical issues, just the unthinkables that people face. All all the, the unspeakable moments. That's what I would call them. The unspeakable moments. And so having said that, I, I just want to turn it over to Dan and really let him tell more about what he does and what his company stands stands for, what what the purpose is. Welcome, Dan. Well, we, <laughs> Thank why, you. Thank you so you, much for having me. Why don't you tell us about Steery, what the purpose is, what the inspiration was behind it, because it's an amazing company. Oh, th- thanks. I, I think it's just... Um, it's thank you for that kind of introduction. That, that was, uh, I, I think use the word unspeakable, you know, um, my wife and I have been through many unspeakable moments and story really is just a compilation of those moments in our life turned into a company, um, to help other people get through those, those moments. And 
really our our story started by going through one of those um and uh we've been through a lot of those throughout our marriage and have somehow stuck together somehow relied on our you know on each other as partners and we wouldn't have started what we started with story it stands for stories that stir we wanted to not avoid the the emotion behind these experiences and let those be on display for everybody because we felt like no matter what you're going through we're all having a very similar shared experience whether that's grief whether that's loss whether that's addiction whether that's depression uh medical issues like you mentioned um like I'm going through right now we all have this shared common thread and we figured out that thread was in those moments we have um what we coined in the very early stages first few months of story i called them perspective moments hmm. and your story is literally just a collection of all those perspective moments put together it's not a list of chronological events like we think of a story it's all these perspective moments put together and when you put those together you are able to craft a new narrative a beautiful story that doesn't shy away from all those really difficult moments but actually embraces those and looks at those perspective moments to propel you forward and if people just it's simple our formula is simple in the way we tell stories the way we help people um discover their own story find those perspective moments then you'll have what you need deep inside of you regardless of what is going on externally to actually get through through anything and we've proven that with over 250 films at this point Oh my gosh. You have. You guys have and the stories are amazing. I'm sure that a lot of people are already familiar with it, but if not, you you can familiarize yourself with it cuz these are incredible stories. Dan, I just am curious like what in my line of work, it's a tough line of work. There's a lot of failure. It seems like I have to work with 50 people before we have a success story. So there's a lot of difficulties, but understanding why I do it and how fulfilling it is when we have that success is kind of what pushes me through a lot of the challenges it faces, you know, even the financial side of it and making it work for our family, but like why do you feel so passionate about telling these other people's stories? Aside from the business aspect of being really good at filming and producing. Oh, that yeah, I mean I have that background. I've done that before, but I never used that background to do what we're doing now. Okay. I, I used it to run somebody else's production company. Uh we made Verizon and Intel. We had huge clients and we made them a lot of money through the films that we made and nobody at the company I was at was like, "Awesome, we just made Verizon more money." That's that's like <laughs> my thought. You know? Great. Like no nobody gives a you know what about that yeah. and um but i fell in love with film i just saw that film aside from being in person with somebody and sitting in their space and sharing that experience film is the next best thing yep. in my opinion and um then you add music and all these other elements and the storytelling and the crafting of it and lighting and audio and sound effects and all these things and telling these true stories could even be better than being with somebody in person and it was just a, a the method was can we help millions and millions of people in fact I'll tell you a, a quick funny story I was the first podcast I was ever invited to be on when I first started story the woman said don't talk about money our followers don't really like you know to talk about money and I was like well I wasn't going to you know come in here talking about money that's not 
why I started Sturry, and you, you know that, and um, it was about people. But I said, unfortunately, you have to make a lot of money to influence millions of people. And um, so at the very end of the podcast, she said, what do you want to do with Sturry? Where do you see it going? And I said, I see us being a household name, being the Kleenex brand of this type of storytelling throughout the world. And it's going to take millions of dollars to get there. So we knew we had to start a sustainable business to reach millions of people. And so that's what we did. And our product is these stories. And um, I, I, I knew that made her nervous, but I was like, the reality of it is there's, there's a lot of opportunities out there to play small. And sometimes we do that. And, and I think it is important to do that sometimes, to have those one-on-one -on -one engagements in those moments. But we never set out to start Sturry as a small thing. Like yep. it, it has to influence millions of people because millions of people need what we're doing and are facing challenges every single day and they need something to get them out of bed something to hold to on to their potential yep. and and i knew that story had to be that big we had to help millions across the world get out of bed jump up and go do whatever their version of changing the world is and, and that's really what we're designed to do help them find those perspective moments and do what they feel inspired to do with those well, it's beautiful because you're telling people stories of redemption and getting them out to an audience that yes, it moves people, it inspires people, but there are all always those people who are looking for something to cling on to. And someone who is a complete stranger now can become that inspiration, that hope, that reason, like you said, to get out of bed in the morning. Can I ask another yeah, question? Exactly. Sure. Okay. <laughs> You you do look beautiful today. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Oh, He's kind of taken over. Here. I know. I was like, I mean, I was I'll, gonna ask, I, okay. but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, in that moment, I can tell it 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 touched your heart. But every story I'm I'm sure that you've told has been amazing, and getting to know those people has been a humbling experience. But you know, for sake of time, what what would you say are maybe a handful or two or three of the most remarkable stories? that you've worked on that have changed your life, changed the course of Steery? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a collection. Make no mistake about it. I'm, I'm the one that benefits the most um, of anybody from this process. I get to tell, you know, hundreds of people's stories and, and have hundreds of perspective moments. Um, but there's, there's a, a couple of occasions that I, I will never forget. Um, as far as uh, storytelling is concerned and, and the storytellers themselves. And one um, happened about three years ago. We, we film um, all of these stories for Imagine Dragons and their nonprofit, the Tyler Robinson Foundation. And it's a pediatric cancer nonprofit. And you can imagine those stories are extremely difficult to tell. Um, we travel around the country telling uh, the stories of these kids and their families and what they go through dealing with a cancer diagnosis. And it's just heartbreaking is an understatement. Uh, it's devastating. It's unspeakable um, what they go through. And one of the stories we told was of, of a boy named Emerson uh, in Nevada. And um, we were hesitant to ask to film portions of this um, story because, you know, it's very sensitive and, and those moments are fragile. And uh, we asked if we could, he had a, a chemo appointment 
Um, and we asked if we could come and film that appointment. And here's this three-year-old boy. Jeez. Um, and, and you can imagine just our eyes are welling up. Our hearts are about to burst just walking into that hospital. And that kid had been through so many treatments already. He was just like this freaking warrior. Just there was a hot bounce to his step, just walking in there with confidence. And I was like, what? This kid's three, you know, and he's holding his dad's hand. We have these beautiful shots of that. And he gets in there and I, I will never forget as a father watching kid after kid walk into this room where the kids thought it was normal to be hooked up to an IV to a port um, and injecting them, you know, with poison basically to kill cancer and watching these kids just feel like it's normal and battle and watching the parents feel like it's normal and, and battle and see the devastation around me and people just parents and kids just trying to survive. And as a father, I just, I, I broke down while we were in there, broke down afterwards. I had to call my wife that night and it was like, we have nothing to complain about, nothing. And it has just shaped the way I, I view trials in my own life. And I watched him go through that chemo and sob. And we included that in the film. And it's a moment where the music and everything hits right to where I think every person looks at that and says, I have no reason to complain. I, I have just every reason to fight today. So that that's one of them that, wow. that truly changed my life. Um, and then a documentary that we're finishing up um, that that uh, is of Kim White. People know her as Kim Can Kick It. And um, it was like that experience with this boy Emerson getting his chemo, but on a regular basis. I was I was there and, and filming and uh, my team was there and filming and a part of the most difficult conversations a family has and the perspective I gained from that through those experiences, but also just the relationship I had with Kim was that we knew each other before this life. We were meant to meet together and do this project together. And we accomplished what we were meant to accomplish and the confidence both of us had in working together and getting her message to the world was second to none. Um, we had a mission and, uh, and she's a sister, you know, I, I, I don't say that figuratively. I mean that very literally. And, um, she chose me, uh, to honor her story and to, to capture her story and share that with the world. And that's a huge responsibility. I've lost a lot of sleep over that. <laughs> um, but there's, I, I don't know if there's any greater honor, um, from a, a friend or a, a sibling or a sister or a brother than to be responsible over showing the world their legacy. And that story absolutely changed me from start to finish of the process. So those, I can't say those are my favorite because then I'll offend the other no, people yeah, yeah. I've told stories on, but those, those have definitely, there's so many more, but those have definitely changed my perspective just forever. Gosh, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm in tears over here just hearing uh, the Emerson story. I've actually watched what you did with Kim and it also changed my perspective as a, as a mother for sure. Um, and I, I guess, I don't know in my mind, I'm, I'm just so grateful because there just can't be enough of this in my mind. 
um, there is so much struggle in humanity. And I think uh, it's natural to actually want to kind of go through it and then move on. Like, okay, you know, tell the story once it's over and I, I won. Like, but it's all that stuff that happens in the middle that is what changes us. And that's what you do so beautifully as you, you tell that you show it, you it's raw, it's honest, it's difficult. Um, but it, it's ultimately like what changes the world. So anyway, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. That was very kind. I also, um, I just want to, I want to kind of talk about you and what your struggle has been, um, the last couple of years, if, if you don't mind kind of telling us kind of the journey. Yeah, because for the on. world that, you know, that doesn't know Dan or his company, Steery, he's one who's been telling these incredible stories of other people and, and the redemption and the triumph and the strength and everything they've, they've gone the through. The pain and the loss. But he himself has gone through something extremely difficult and is still doing, still going through it. So, yeah, I mean... I didn't want to butt in on you, but tell us a little bit about, I'm sure it's hard to summarize, you know, in a brief period of time, but for those who don't know what your challenge is, if you wouldn't mind sharing it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's hard to be brief about it, but I'll be brief. I'm getting pretty good at that. <laughs> um, but I, I my, my chat, my physical challenges started probably 20, 25 years ago is what we're discovering. Um, and it was just a myriad of, of um, challenges that all are starting to add up and, and equate to a diagnosis. And um, it was stuff I dealt with as a kid and in my teenage years and into adulthood, we just didn't have enough research and, and really know what it was back then. And, and the doctors did the best they could, but um, they just assumed I got injured on a regular basis because I was active in sports and played competitive sports and, um, and, you know, had a lot of injuries and, and played hard and, and just did what most kids do. But for whatever reason, Dan was just, you know, they, whether that's accident prone or whatever you want to call it, just dealt with more challenges physically than most of the other kids. And I, I knew that I had a season pass of physical therapy. I, you know, I had episodes where I had fainted, um, where I'd had complete crashes in my energy and didn't know why, um, and just had all these, these rough experiences, but we kind of just dismissed them because we couldn't find anybody to know, that knew what they were. Yeah. And then um, three years ago, three or four years ago, um, they were the challenges became so bad that, and dangerous that I couldn't avoid them. Um, and, and even further back, I had a stroke-like episode several years ago, and it was just seen as a fluke and we don't know what it is and maybe it's stress or whatever. And then three or four years ago, I started to have consistent problems and they were debilitating and not allowing me to do a lot of, a lot of things. And it's interesting that I was out telling everybody else's story, yeah. but I had kept this part of my story kind of hush because a, I didn't want sympathy and um, B, I wanted to tough it out and just, you know, that's just what I had been used to doing for so for 15, 20 years and C, I didn't know what to call it. So I just kept it hush and, um, and I didn't think anybody would understand what it was. And I started getting blood clots. I started having, um, other different crazy, you know, headaches and, um, problems with digestion, my, my abdomen problems with my legs and, 
And I was like, okay, we can't ignore this. I got to get back on the, the hunt. I'd kind of given up on doctors for a while. And um, it wasn't actually until I met Kim and was doing her documentary that I had a lot of scary experiences with chest pain and things like that. She even took me to the ER one day oh when we were supposed to be filming her story. You know, she took me to the ER and, and she was well aware of my health. And she kept saying, I'm going to figure you out. I'm going to figure you out. I'm going to help you. Um, we're going to get this, you know, and I was like, we're here for you, not me. And I just kind of put it off. And, um, you know, as many people know, she passed away, but, um, she came, came through on her promise. Um, I was interviewing somebody for her documentary, an interventional radiologist, and just kind of tongue in cheek, I said, you know, hey, you should try to figure me out. I'm kind of a medical mystery. And she said, very seriously, what are your symptoms? And I told her, and she says, uh, have you heard of vascular compression syndromes? Have you heard of uh, Ehlers-Danlos, a connective tissue disorder? Have you heard of all? She started naming all of these um, syndromes I'd never even heard of and uh, that are very rare and she says i think that's what you have and she was spot on i've been diagnosed with every single thing that she um, said in that that meeting with her a few years ago and so since then because of kim i met her and because of her i met my primary care physician that as a specialist in these things and i recently just came back from germany and got a full diagnose diagnostic workup of all of these things and i have a, a lot of uh, credit that I need to give to Kim and telling her story. And uh, in many ways that has saved and preserved my life. And I'm very fortunate for that, but essentially what it is, my, without making it too complicated, my entire body doesn't get the blood flow it needs um, to the organs and, and limbs. And because of that, your organs obviously will fail. Your limbs will start to have problems with the muscle and tissue and all that stuff. And so um, the reason things started to get worse is they call them vascular compression syndromes because they're like a kinked hose. And uh, if the hose is kinked too long, it creates buildup and pressure. It creates actually collateral veins because the blood's trying to get to where it needs to go, to your heart, to your head, to your legs. Um, and so it's like having a kinked hose all over my body um, and that pressure and that blood flow needs to be released. And so it's complicated. It's not uh, an easy solution. And unfortunately, I've had one major operation in May, and I'll have to have another major operation that we're considering going back to Germany to have because they're experts in these uh, syndromes. Um, but it's going to be the first of uh, many, I think, throughout my life because there's no one kink <laughs> that can just be opened up and, and fix everything else. It, it, uh, it will have to be fixed systematically um, through a number of different uh, procedures. So wow. that's the... That's the, the diagnosis, uh, you know, nutcracker syndrome, Maytherner syndrome, Ehlers-Danlos. Um, I have thoracic outlet syndrome, uh, just a, a myriad of, of different syndromes that are very rare, especially in adult males. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm the first for my doctor that's this age and, and has this many complications with it. And so wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not a common <laughs> thing that you see. And all of that stems from the lack inability for blood to flow the way it's supposed to, right? Yeah. Do they have yeah. any idea what might have caused that? Is it more of something from an accident or something more or less like genetic? 
Yeah. So part of the, the connective tissue disorder is a genetic disorder. And, and we now think that my sister has that as well. Um, and she has some similar, you know, problems structurally with her blood flow as well with her abdomen and her gut and, um, digestion and things like that. So, um, part of it's genetic. It's just the way that you're born and the way that you're shaped and the structure of your back and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, they, it's such a, uh, rare and new thing that they think is less rare than actually, you know, they, they thought because they're seeing more and more patients with these things. Um, and I asked my doctor once I kind of had the same question, Danny, I was like, did I do something to yeah. Yeah, know, is this my aggravate this yeah. make this happen? Cause I was so concerned, like, did this happen in sports with my injury, all the injuries I had Did I, you know, did this happen at the chiropractor? You know, like what, and uh, he said, I don't, I don't think you did any of this. Some of those things might've just made it worse. Or um, sometimes like you hear about patients with my syndromes that get in a car accident and they do a little better because it somehow shifted things to where there's not the, the compression, but we don't, we don't know. And I, I doubt we'll ever really know um, why it happened to me and, and why I'm dealing with this. And, um, and I, I've started to, to be a little more okay with that. So can I ask you how that journey has affected you and your family? Because I'm sure you guys have experienced every range of emotion through all of this and still are. Yeah, yeah. You can ask anything, by the way. So you never have to ask me if you, have to, if you can okay. ask. <laughs> pretty open, but... Yeah, uh, but. I, I'm curious what the struggles are in line with that question of, Obviously, physical pain and discomfort has got to be well. A, a and just big one. your wife must feel really helpless. But I know, as a father too, there's probably things that are more painful than just the physical side. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a slugfest. It's been a battle, and it is every single day, and has been for the last uh, few years in particular. And uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, in every category that you could think of, it's been a slugfest and, uh, it's hard. You mentioned, you know, being, it being hard for my wife. Absolutely. She's just like at any time she would say, I would take this all away from you. Um, and she even told me, I, I don't know. Um, uh, we've talked about this next major operation, how dangerous it is. And she said, I don't know if I can watch you go through that again. The last major operation you did broke me watching how much pain you were in and, and the recovery process. And it's like, I can't watch that again. Um, and so there's that, but then there's also the, you know, I'm barely starting to recover from the surgery I had seven months ago. And I'm able to like do a few more things around the house and help out, you know, with things, but she went, you know, six months just taking everything on um, and me trying to manage a business and, trying to manage my health, which is a business in and of itself and a job and, and her managing the kids. And, and how many had, kids do you guys have? We have four, we have four that are eight and under. So, yeah. So um, that's not a small task. No, it's a, it's been a wild ride. And she had her own health scare. She, she and our daughter almost died a couple of years ago, giving birth. And so she's had a lot of PTSD and trauma from that, that postpartum, um, that that she has dealt with on top of all my stuff on top of trying to you know make our house work and and feel like a home versus chaos and so 
that's been really, really difficult. And I, I, our eight-year-old has definitely struggled the most. Um, she's always been in tune with people's emotions. Um, you can, you can cut her emotions with a knife because you can just, you can see them, you feel them and you can't hide them. And I'm glad that she's that way. Cause she's very, um, she, she is emotional and expresses her emotions, thankfully. Um, but it's been devastating for her to, to watch. Um, my, my six-year-old was saying a prayer one night and said, um, bless the daddy will, will survive. Or I can't remember the exact term, but I asked him after the prayer, do you think dad's going to die? And he, he got really embarrassed and we, we like knew that that's what was in his mind. Um, he had been around my friend Kim that we were documenting her story and he had watched her pass away. And, um, at the same time, my wife, Caroline lost her grandma to cancer. And so they were just, they were in tune with physical conditions and how they could take someone's life. And, um, the risk with mine is, is very high. Um, and, so you can imagine how does a six-year-old, he was five at the time when he was saying this prayer last year, but how does a five-year-old contemplate losing a, a parent and goes to bed every night probably worrying about that? And we just didn't know because he didn't know how to express those emotions. So I, I would say it's deeply affected every aspect of our lives. Um, on the flip side, and I, and I don't say this, a lot of people say you're a really positive person, Dan, and it, it actually irritates me a little bit <laughs> to hear that. Like it's a great, it's a great compliment, but um, I'm just sharing how I, I see things. I'm not trying to be positive. And um, this experience has absolutely changed me and given me perspective well beyond anything I could, I could get on my own, um, you know, through books or through, you know, my own trying to craft experiences. It has made me keenly aware of every single small moment, yeah. every little thing. I watch my kids eat cereal for crying out loud. And I'm just like, <laughs> You're like, that's amazing. It is like yep. all those things are just amazing. My boys one morning on a Saturday morning, I was home and, and I, I usually, um, try to get up early because that, that actually helps with the blood flow and stuff. And it actually get worse if I, if I stay in bed all day, but one morning I was up on a Saturday morning and they had poured their own cereal and, um, and I poured the milk for them and they, they wanted to go outside and just eat on our picnic bench in the backyard, eat their bowl of cereal. And I just watched them for 20 minutes. And I was like, this is, this is beautiful this is beautiful. What's transpiring right now. Um, they just wanted to have their cereal outside and have their dad hang out with them. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what else we do for the rest of today or the rest of our lives. If I can just enjoy these little moments and I enjoy those seriously every single day right now. And if, if I had to go through this health challenge to, to recognize that and feel that I I'd do it again a hundred times. Oh, Dan, I have, since you said it was okay, I'm I'm going to read something that you wrote to me when we were going back and forth about doing the podcast because I it, it I will never forget it and I think it's so true and you said there's something sacred about your physical body failing that makes your spirit rise to the surface in a way that I literally didn't think was possible in this mortal journey. That is so powerful. And unfortunately, I think you are right that most people don't experience that. Um, 
but what you're what you just said was just the essence of everything really and truly what you're doing with story is helping people that maybe maybe their body isn't failing them but maybe mentally they're crumbling and so you're helping them access that power that they have right there in that moment and it's funny because Danny and I had this conversation this morning is there's so many people that are waiting for the next thing to be happy like when I lose 20 pounds I will be happy or when th- I see this number in my bank account, then I can be happy. Or once my kids are a little bit older and they don't make so many messes, then I can be happy. And the the trick of it all is you can be happy right now and you should be because right now is okay. Right now is actually a gift and it's beautiful. And your ability to absorb that those moments is amazing yeah, and it's amazing though how many people get caught up in life and being busy and occupied and driven and the need 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 for all these things that that's what distracts everybody from being able to look at your kids eating cereal and just cherish that moment and seeing that miracle i i have a question and i i want to set the stage for this question because what the question is is if you could communicate one thing to people who are feeling hopeless having yourself felt that way many times, having documented the stories of many people who at one point thought it was impossible or maybe wanted to give up. You know, this past week was, it was super heavy for me. There was a lot of success. Like there were a few young adults that I helped families get into a treatment center. Now they're beginning this journey. But there was one specific 24 hour period where I had three different individuals come to me who had recently had a failed suicide attempt or had contemplated it and tried to act out on it. All three coming from such different walks of life, a young man who is incredibly amazing from anyone who looks at him. It's like that perfect guy, but his stems from not feeling like he fits in from being bullied and a lot of other factors. There was the spouse of someone who's had a pornography and sexual addiction for so long that it's now causing her to want to just quit. She can't see how to move forward. And another individual whose addiction that started again, that that word itself is tough because, you know, even someone who now is addicted to drugs, the process started because something hurt and something was so uncomfortable. They just started self-medicating. They actually found an incredible solution for a period of time, but that solution ended up pushing them even further down and he tried to take his life this week. So even in my small little world and the small little reach I have, I see people carrying these unthinkable weights, these burdens that they don't think they can get through. They don't see a way out. And I know for you, it must've been a difficult time when your body's failing you and you're trying to convince others, especially professionals. Like I'm, I'm not right. And no one can put a finger on it or explain it. And I deal with so many young people who are facing the same thing. They go to their parents and they can't quite articulate why they're hurting. They can't really quite articulate what's wrong or missing inside. Or if they do, everybody else discredits them. Oh, come on, knock it off. You're okay. You got life so good. Other people don't have it nearly as good as you. Whatever the the reason is, they disregard the way that these people feel. And it's catastrophic how many people are just feeling like giving up. And I truly believe I've been screaming this for months. 
but you can even see recent reports that are coming out on different government sites. It's 300%, 400%, 500% increase in teen and young adult suicides. So I know I went down a little rabbit hole there, but there's no difference between what those people are feeling and what you have experienced in your life. I know you've also told the stories of others, but what's one thing if you could give someone listening who knows someone going through this or they themselves are going through this, what would just be one bit of advice? You know, I, I, I think it starts with telling them that this, this is a shared human experience. Like, you know, we hear the term, you're not alone, but I, I think it's deeper than that. I think that those feelings of loss and grief and disappointment and rejection, um, all, all of those things are shared human emotions. And we can't ignore those. Um, we can't shove them under a rug and think they're going to go away because they don't. Um, I recently, just over the last couple of years, dealt with the bullying that happened to me as a 12-year-old. And I hadn't dealt with that for 20 plus years. And, um, and I was able to deal with it because I found somebody else that was bullied and I watched how they climbed out of those emotions. And so I bring that up because if you're at the bottom and believe me, I thought I knew what the bottom was. And then like the floor just kept falling out. And I was like, how many freaking basements does this <laughs> you know, place have? Yeah. Like, how, how much further can I go down? But then I realized like, as I was falling, I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have a shared emotion with this person. And that person is now part of my life as a result. And I would never trade that emotion away um, and trade that person away. Mm -hmm. I want them to be a part of my life. So I would say it's tapping into those emotions, finding people that share those emotions and relying on each other to find ways out of um, the, the basement, whatever that is. That's oh, and, I and love I, that. One way to do that, um, and, and there's there's a lot of things you can do. You can add therapy, you can add Yoda, med yoga, not Yoda. Yeah. We've been watching or, or Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> add Yoda. He has great advice yeah. too. <laughs> uh, especially baby Yoda, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, you can you can add all of these once again external things, but we have been given this divine gift within us to actually pull ourselves out of this. And the, I am convinced just after doing all these stories, I have 250 case studies that can back up what I'm about to say. I've done 250 stories from people all around the entire world. And the one thing that's consistent with every person getting out of those experiences is they discovered their own story and potential. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they did that, they were able to climb out. It's and the same solution. And he brought so up a good point. Good. The trademark to our business is, which we all we obviously sent to, uh, we went all the way to what Washington, where I the trademark that letter came back from. Yeah, it's real cool because we're we're finally getting it trademarked. But it's it is our secrets keep us sick. And what you said resonated with me because when you found someone who had a who shared common ground, when you found someone like in that bullying story, here you are 20 years later because you found someone who's going through it. 
between the two of you, you get to expose the secret that you maybe have you are carrying by yourself. And I just see time and time again, day after day, people carrying these secrets that over time build up into be these, the purple monster in your closet. That's not really there, but it's hard because we have these family dynamics that God gave us. And we think that within our family, we're going to solve all these, but often the family even gets in the way. It's finding someone else with shared ground commonalities that you can talk to community is community. community. And as soon as you find the ability to talk to someone else about it, that's when it opens. It just kind of turns the valve enough that you can like open yourself up to whatever it is, clinical approach, medical approach, all the therapy involved that needed, but it's finding someone who you can share that secret with. Well, and that's why I, I love this combination is because I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, I'm dealing with this. I, I'm, I'm cutting myself. I don't, I've never had that struggle actually, but I've had a lot of other struggles that have taken me to a very dark place. So I can access that power to help allow them to not feel alone and yeah, isolated they, they in safe. that. And they feel safe and we can heal together and we can say, you're not the only person that's ever felt that way. I have too, and it's going to be okay. And I think the more we can do that as a global community, the the more healthy every single person will, will be able to get. And I just love what you said about every single person out of those 250 people, they figured out their own potential. And truly that's like, in my opinion, the entire purpose of being on earth is knowing your your purpose, your identity, and living it, living your why. You are a perfect person to be shouting that from the rooftops. Your company obviously emulates that in every single way. Would you be able to tell our listeners how can they connect with you? What? Yeah, tell whether, us about what your if company. They, if they want to watch the stories that you've produced, like how do they access those? What if, if they have a story they want told? Or a loved one who has a story of redemption they want told. How, how do people find you? Yeah, thank, thanks for giving us the opportunity to share that. I, I think that's the biggest solution, right? Is make sure that these these stories aren't hit, hidden. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can find uh, a number of our stories on our Instagram account, just at Sturry. So just think of the word story, but with stir in it, S-T-I-R-Y. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can go to Sturry.com. And actually we have a, a link right there on the homepage where if you're ready to tell your story and you, you want to start working with us, um, you can do that. Um, and then if you want to follow my personal journey, it's just Sturry, at Sturry Dan um, on my Instagram. And I'm, I'm pretty open about just about everything in my journey and transparent. And uh, that's been a huge part of, of preserving my own life and uh, getting me out of bed every morning is, is I, I have that purpose. And now a lot of people are, are leaning into that story and, and, and sitting in my, the space with me. Well, it's amazing. These, you want to follow both. These people. stories are what everyone needs, right? Yes. But it's funny in this social world we live in now, like, I could post a picture of, of my wife in a swimsuit tomorrow and get more likes, more views, more shares than anything else, right? Just sad. It's sad. It's not helpful. But these stories have to be found. You have to seek them out. It's It should be what canvases the world with all these other things that do that are irrelevant. It's mm -hmm. 
I'm glad you explained where people can find you because these stories are inspirational for anyone who's going through any difficulties in their life. Yes, absolutely. So you'll want to follow both accounts. We're going to link it in the show notes. So, and anything else that Dan has talked about or wants you to know, we will have it all in the show notes. But again, you're going to want to follow both of those accounts because yeah. they're, they're just, it's goodness. It's goodness. Man, we were honored. I know your time's valuable, especially oh, the time when you're you. feeling good. So thank you for giving us some of that. No, this gives me, this feeds my soul. I, I love this. And um, I'm, I'm just telling you that's part of the solution is sharing your story. So I appreciate you guys allowing me to do, do that too. That, that helps my journey more than you know. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dan. We hope anyone out there that needs a little bit of inspiration in their life could have found it here. We're all blessed to hear about these stories, but please go check out Dan on on either of the pages that he mentioned because there are plenty of stories to draw strength from and we all need it. So God bless. We love you, man. Love you guys too. Thanks for having me. See you. Bye. 